Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. And as promised, we're going to be speaking with Frank Lopez Jr. Frank is a lifelong native of Texas, born in the Rio Grande Valley. His father was hired as a Border Patrol agent, and the family moved down to El Paso, Texas. He joined the United States Army as a military policeman from 1984 to 1987. He was probably out there arresting some of my soldiers. He was stationed at Fort Benning, Georgia, deployed to Honduras, and finished up in Mainz, West Germany. He joined the Border Patrol himself following his father's footsteps in 1988 and served until 2018, 30 years of service with the Border Patrol. And this is a real family business because his wife is even a Border Patrol agent. He is an ordained minister. He was the first uniform Border Patrol agency chaplain in U.S. Border Patrol history, and he developed a national chaplaincy program for them. He was an assistant chief down there at the United States Border Patrol headquarters, and he was a supervisory agent as well, overseeing daily patrol operations on the U.S.-Mexico border. Post his retirement, he's been a very involved in politics down there in South Texas, campaign manager for Congressional District 23 grassroots GOP candidate Raul Reyes in 2020. And right now, he is running as a candidate for U.S. Congressional District 23 as an independent. He has been mayor for over 30 years, has twin sons, and his personal guiding principle is very simple. Love of his family, service to his nation, and to worship God. Frank, it's good to see you, my dear friend. It's good to see you again, Colonel. Well, you know, I talked about in my monologue, because too often everyone is saying that, you know, this what we're seeing happen in America is, is incompetence. It is, you know, people that don't understand policy. I think it's all purposeful and intentional, especially when I look and see what is happening on the border. How do you feel about that, having spent 30 years as a Border Patrol agent yourself? You live right down there. You're doing great work by exposing what's happening in that border. Do you think this is purposeful and intentional? Oh, yes. It's very well uh, orchestrated. They're very methodical in the way they're going about uh, executing their plan, Colonel. And uh, quite honestly, it to me is organized smuggling. Well, let me qualify that. Not just me, but uh, you know, m- many of my fellow agents, retirees, uh, former anti-smuggling unit agents, what we are seeing here on the border is uh, wide-scale smuggling by the United States government. Mm. So in other words, we have an instance where our federal government, and I think to a point our state government as well, is aiding and abetting human and sex trafficking. And Texas is the number one state for human and sex trafficking in the country right now, correct? It is. It is. And, uh, you know, it's it's a wide-scale plan, as we said. Uh, and I saw, we'll show you how with Michael Yons, and he talked about the way that these folks come up 
through Central America, the Panama Canal area. And as they come in, uh, Alan, they're, they're being guided through the rest of Central America into Mexico to the border. And so we've got uh, not just the cartels involved, but we have non-government organizations, the United Nations, uh, and uh, elements of our own government, primarily Department of Homeland Security and uh, the State Department are very much involved in what is happening as far as coordinating with the GOM, the government of Mexico. And uh, on this side of the border, the a very lucrative con uh, contracts are being given out to these non-government organizations. Uh, so it's wide scale, very comprehensive, uh, and they are very methodical about what they're doing. You know, when I look at what is happening down there, I don't think that the government of Mexico has any control over the border zone down there. I think that these transnational, I call them narco-criminal terrorist organizations, have complete control uh, on the south side of the Rio Grande and I think to a point on, the, on our side of the Rio Grande. So I think that we're fighting a classic insurgency down there. And how do you see it? I mean, I think this goes beyond just an immigration issue or a law enforcement issue. This is a sovereignty issue. This is a, a huge criminality issue, a huge terrorist issue, and I think it's an invasion. Your, your assessment? Yeah, I, spot on. Look, uh, the, these organizations, for many years, they developed their network. Uh, of course, they're very uh, you know, widespread in Mexico because of how, quite honestly, this uh, symbiotic relationship that existed uh, within the Mexican government, working with the cartels and uh, with society, you know, the business community, etc., so that was the, the balance that existed in Mexico for, for years and years. It was disrupted when one of their presidents declared war on uh, these uh, criminal organizations resulting with the Gulf cartels, the Zetas, and all that bloody warfare uh, that took place uh, several years ago. And, but they, they had that going on the Mexican side. On the U.S. side, they were recruiting people to be their mules, uh, you know, their drivers for their vehicles, their lookouts, uh, to set up staging houses on the U.S. side uh, to be the transportation drivers to take these people and, and drugs into the interior of the United States. And so the reason I call it, you know, uh, organized government smuggling, Alan, is because the very thing that we saw these components of these organizations doing, the staging houses, you know, managing people, hiding people, transporting them, et cetera, that is now being done by our United States government or the contracted organizations that are, uh, for instance, moving these people up and down the highway in those big white buses. So it is an invasion. Uh, at this point, it is not an armed invasion, Alan, but we have to call it for what it is. This is a violation of our sovereignty. They're, every day that they cross the border illegally, violation of 8 U.S.C. 1325, they are violating that uh, sovereignty. And I spoke with folks that would say, you know, I kind of darkly say, you know, we we've already stopped being a nation because we cannot control our border uh, sovereignty. It's, a, it's amazing to me. And there are two definitions to the word invasion. One is an armed incursion into yes. another country. But the other is a mass incursion of people illegally into a certain sphere or a certain activity. So we are definitely seeing the latter. You know, recently we just saw Governor Greg Abbott sign an executive order talking about, you know, bringing illegals back down to the, uh, the points of entry. 
you know, Ken Cuccinelli has come out and said that that's nothing but an advanced uh, catch and release program. Do you think that that's going to be effective whatsoever? No. Uh, look, uh, I'll just say it. There, there's a certain aspect of optics that goes with this. Uh, look, I, I live down here, as do, you know, millions of, of citizens on the U.S.-Mexico border. And my fellow Texans have seen uh, what Governor Abbott has done, uh, taking you and others down mm -hmm. to the the river. They could see the fence, you know, huge gate, uh, gaping uh, openings in the fence, you know, unfinished por portions of this fencing. It's 1,250 miles, uh, two miles of, 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 of a bit of reinforced fencing in Eagle Pass, Texas. We saw the overseas containers, but we saw all that, and then along came, you know, the, the, this aspect of where they were going to capture people, jail them. Uh, the, the reports are out. The findings are out. That created an overwhelming burden on the Texas uh, judicial criminal justice system. And now when uh, he released this executive order under pressure by the counties, because the counties are, are bearing the brunt of this, uh, when, when he came out with that executive order, Colonel, what what I what we saw we we immediately looked at it you know folks were hopeful, but what was glaring to us what was not in that statement which said all it said was they will be you know gathered up taken and returned to the border, but we didn't see language such as they will be repelled or they will be removed from the country, and so knowing the way that operations take place down here at the ports of entry. Uh, what I envisioned was them dropping them off, uh, DPS, you know, or the National Guard, you know, dropping people off at the ports of entry. And and then uh, either the Office of Field Operations, the folks in blue, at the, the, the Legacy Customs, or Border Patrol would, would pick them up, you know, or process them. Uh, there were some directives that came out from OFO's uh, Office of Field Operations saying we will not prosecute or process those people. Uh, we inquired down here at, the, at, at our local ports of entry to see if they're seeing DPS or National Guard dropping people off at the ports. And to date, they're, they're not seeing it. That doesn't mean it's not happening elsewhere on the border. But Eagle Pass, Del Rio, we are not seeing that. And uh, I've, I've been driving around looking to see what's going on. Of course, Eagle Pass is the hot spot. Uh, yesterday I was down there and what I saw was uh, the same old, same old thing. DPS, National Guard on the river, but Border Patrol picking these people up and taking them to the processing centers. The, that are run by the non-governmental organizations that are getting federal grant, federal grant money to just basically be a, a travel agency. Let's, yeah. let's switch and talk about something else that you brought out and, and have done a real good job exposing, and that's China's infiltration and an yeah. influence down there, especially in your area in Del Rio, right there next to the Shepherd, uh, Shepherd Air Force, Laughlin Air Force Laughlin. Base, I'm sorry, Laughlin Air Force Base, because now all of a sudden everyone's talking about China buying up land next to the Air Force Base up in North Dakota. This has been going on already down in Texas. What else do you see happening where, you know, you can see China's hands uh, down there along our border? Yeah, so... The, the, you're, refer, you're referring to the purchase of land that uh, took place in Valverde County, my home county, uh, west of Del Rio. Uh, they bought up, uh, you know, over 100,000 acres out there. And what really concerned people, you know, was a proximity, of course, to the border. 
but its proximity to Laughlin Air Force Base, which is one of the uh, you know military installations for training America's warfighters. Uh, Laughlin Air Force Base combat it, pilots, right? Combat pilots. Yes, sir. It's, it's initial uh, initial training, but they they do uh, have various models, and uh, they have the fighter jet you know uh, model that that uh, they're trained on, and from here they go on to advanced training at other installations. But uh, this, that base, Alan, is not more than five miles from the U.S.-Mexico border. Mm. And, and so it's a critical component in America's warfighting cap- uh, capability. And the fact that this, the, the, the Chinese purchase uh, was for the intent of, you know, installing the wind farms, uh, there was, in, there was a immediate concern because those things, you know, they, they give off an electromagnetic uh, field, a radar uh, you know, signature. Mm-hmm. And so con- conceivably that radar signature that they give off could be used to cloak, you know, mask um, uh, other types of movement. Yeah, absolutely. So, and to me is unconscionable that we will allow our number one geopolitical foe to continue to purchase land and especially next to our strategically vital military installations. Let's switch gears again. And Talk about your race and talk about what is going on down in South Texas. The, the victory of Myra Flores really put a spotlight on South Texas. Uh, and I think you and I have seen this. People care about security. People care about security of the border. They care about, you know, energy security. They care about their economic security. They care about the education security of their children. So I think that there's a shift happening down along the Rio Grande Valley and in South Texas. How do you see that in your race? And uh, just tell everyone that are listening into this podcast a little about your race in Congressional District uh, 23? 23. Yep. Yes. So... So it, it is a border district. It is actually the largest district on the, on the uh, Texas-Mexico border. Runs from El Paso all the way down to Laredo, just a little bit northwest of Laredo, and then up I-35 in San Antonio and all the way up underneath the Milan Odessa area. So it is a vast mm-hmm. district, 823 miles of border. But uh, you're, you're right, Alan. As I was, uh, I'm running as an independent. Look, I've been involved with the, with the uh, Republican Party. You know yes. that. I worked very hard. Uh, to, uh, You're a former to chairman of the county there. Yes, sir, and the SREC uh, committee man. So, because I believe in the principles that are espoused in the Republican Party's platform, but what I saw was a, a, a lack of adherence to that by our by our elected officials, and in this case, uh, my opponent, an incumbent Republican, was what I call aiding and abetting this invasion into our country with uh, his movement uh, on behalf of DHS Alejandro Mayorkas to allow illegal aliens to get flown out of Laughlin Air Force Base for whatever purposes. The fact that illegal aliens were coming onto a military air base when it's difficult for American citizens to get on there Mm -hmm. and being flown out. uh, Some of them went into the interior of the United States, places like Louisiana and other states. Some of them were being uh, repatriated out of country, very few of those. And some were being flown to other uh, processing centers, you know, whether San Diego, Laredo or other points. But, but nonetheless, that was a misuse, I believe, of our taxpayer dollars and the mission of Laughlin Air Force Base. So as I saw these, uh, these things going on, I had to jump in the race. I started collecting signatures as an independent to get on the November ballot following the March primary. And I tell you, people uh, are, were, were excited. Uh, energized that they would have an actual choice in November. Uh, I, I know you went through the primaries, Alan, 
and 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 folks uh, saw the primary process as kind of you know a stifling point. And so for me to get on the ballot as an independent, a constitutional conservative America first patriot, a 30-year border patrol agent, I'm the only candidate running in on the Texas border out of the five congressional districts. I'm the only candidate with with border patrol experience. I know what needs to be done. I know how we can tackle this problem. And so uh, v- folks were very excited, and you're right. I did connect with a lot of people that consider themselves d- Democrats, but once I started talking to them about our similarities, our Texas values, our America First values, the fact that a lot of these people uh, did agree with what Trump was doing to secure our border, and now people are seeing that his policies were good for America. Uh, I had people that enthusiastically signed up, uh, lined up and signed my petition. I went and turned that in. I'm very excited to be on that November ballot. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm out campaigning, I'm meeting people and reinforcing our Texas values and I'm hearing from them. They're hurting, Alan. The middle class yeah. is getting crushed. What Biden is doing to uh, our nation, to the middle class, inflation, et cetera, they're scared. They are concerned about this invasion taking place on the border. A lot of the people that live in this region did it the right way. They, mm-hmm. they, they paid, they went through the legal process and they are very upset at the way that Biden has thrown open uh, the gates and allowed this to happen. And, and they're equally uh, upset with the, the Republican incumbent, uh, Mr. Gonzalez, uh, because what of what he is doing, you know, funding these NGOs, you know, uh, voting for red flag laws. Uh, he just voted for $40 billion to go to the Ukraine. And the whole time our national debt is growing and people are very much aware of that. And so they're ready for change in this district. Well, where can people follow you and your website and your congressional race? Yes, uh, if they would please go to Frank for the number four CD23.com. Frank for CD23.com. And also you do a little podcast uh, and videos from down there on the border. How can people follow you on that? Yes, sir. I'm on Facebook. It's Frank Lopez Jr., U.S. Border Patriot. Frank Lopez Jr., U.S. Border Patriot. Well, I got to tell you, Frank, I'm so proud of you, and I've been blessed since the day I met you. And I think that the progressive socialist left, the Democrat Party, is misreading the Hispanic community, saying that you guys are all about breakfast tacos and also (laughs) believing that the most important issue in the Hispanic community is going to be murdering unborn babies. The most important issue for the Hispanic community is border security, and right now we have border insecurity. So God bless, good luck to you, and thank you, Frank Lopez, Jr., for being on the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. God bless you. Thank you, Alan. You got it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for tuning in to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Remember to click that like button and share it with others out there. I want to thank Frank Lopez Jr., candidate for Congressional District 23 down in South Texas, and for all of his insights and his work that he's been doing down there to secure our border. God bless you. Have a great night. Before they burn it down